You're listening to The Jazz Session with Jason Crane. Since 2007, the original jazz interview podcast. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. This is episode 603 for October 5th, 2022. On this episode, trumpeter Michael Sarian. This month also features the debut of This I Dig of You, the monthly Patreon bonus show on which I ask that month's guest from the main show to talk about something non-musical that is bringing them joy. Michael talks about working out and about grilling meat. You can hear the bonus episode by becoming a member for $5 a month at thejazzsession.com slash join. When you join, you'll also get early access to every episode of the show, a thank you from me on an episode, and occasional behind-the-scenes info and other bonus material. Hey, do me a favor, if you would, and share this show on your social media. It's the best way to spread the word. Michael Sarian's new album is called Living at the End of the World. Here's the opening track. Michael Sarian, welcome to the Jazz Session. Thank you for having me, Jason Crane. It is my pleasure. I'm excited to talk about this record, Living at the End of the World. And uh, maybe we can start kind of with its origin story. All the pieces on this album have a story. And I'm interested in how the process of putting them all together as an album happened. So can you talk about that? Yeah. So, well, I feel like... um... I don't know. I, I kind of compartmentalize how I do stuff sometimes, and um, um, you know, I I I don't come up. I don't usually. Sometimes I do. I have in the past, but usually when I'm just writing music, I don't come up with a concept or anything like that. I'm just trying to write tunes, you know, with whatever inspires me, whatever I'm moved to, like you know, write down or play. And um, 
and kind of once things get going and if it seems like oh this is like seems like it might be an album or something then we kind of throw that together and i take it from there so yeah that's that's how i think this one this album and many others came to be um you know and yeah i'm not sure if that quite answers your question but it, what's the thing that do you, i don't know if you can put your finger on this but what's the thing that makes it feel like an album what what is it that makes it feel like these pieces hang together for example well um like if if they seem to work in a set you know playing live that that that's like a, a clear indicator that you know we, we have a good flow of, of music happening with uh, certain tunes and um um and yeah and then like just listening back and thinking you know um form form wise and if there's some sort of concept or whatever that kind of you know works within within the music and if it can all be like i feel like if, if it can be kind of packaged in a certain way and we can make it sound like an album and there's nothing that oh that kind of sounded really out of place then if, if that's if that's if, if the music allows itself to flow uh in a certain way then i think that's uh that's a good sign that you know the, the music kind of belongs together or is is okay being together on on an album you know that in 15 years of doing this show, and I don't know how many interviews altogether with jazz musicians, I don't think anyone's ever said that exact thing, that, that the live the live ex- concert experience can be used as a way to see if the music fits together, which I think is fascinating. I'm sh- maybe other people must do it, and I've just never, maybe I've never asked them the right question. But I really like that idea that, like, there's a bunch of tunes, we're going to keep trying them out on the road, and we'll just see what feels like it belongs together. I think that's a, that's such an interesting way to come up with the tunes for an album. Yeah. Yeah. And it's especially recently because, so we, I released the, the first quartet album, uh, new Aurora in 2020. And then this one's coming. We we recorded this one last June, June. Yeah. June of 2021. And it's coming out next month. But like, so now we have like two plus albums worth of, uh, of music which we have in the repertoire you know because like, there's a few things we haven't recorded and a few new ones um and now and now, like so now the 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 live sets we have more to pick from and i'm like oh wow like these all of these work together really well and like it's like we were we, i find myself calling the same tunes and, and having like similar sets you know so it's like i, I kind of almost wish we hadn't recorded last year or kind of find a new reason to record again because there's like a new set of tunes that kind of really work together in a package, you know, I feel. Well, it's time for a live album then, it sounds like. Well, you, you might just get that because uh, <laughs> we, we, have some, we, have, we have some things uh, lined up that might, uh, if they work out, um, yeah, we might be able to, to do like a, a live album or a live EP or something at least, at the very least. I mean, I'm not telling you how to... <laughs> manage your artistic <laughs> life but i'm just saying i'll listen if you if you put it out so i'm just going to stick in here as an editorial comment that uh we recorded this interview in september uh but this as you're listening to it now it's october and so the album actually comes out this month uh not next month so folks if you're looking for this record it drops in october and i encourage you to grab it <laughs> Thank you. 
Um, so, Living at the End of the World, the, the title is inspired by uh, Haruki Murakami's story, and he cropped up on New Aurora, too. Uh, what is it about his work that, that speaks to you? Um, man, I don't know. It's just he, he, his characters are very relatable. Um, I think, yeah, beyond anything else, whether you like his writing or not, whether you like the storytelling, I think his characters are very relatable. So if, if you find yourself writing a book of his, uh, whether willingly or begrudgingly, like, you, you, I think you, you'll find some sort of connection with the characters. So um, for Neo Aurora, I think it was Killian Commendator um, that I was reading. And it was like this artist who was in his mid-30s, who was frustrated with his life and just escaped to the, the mountains to find himself again, right? So I feel like as musicians in our mid-30s and the way the world works, that was, that was a very relatable uh, scenario, you know? And just, it just took like something that sparked an interest or an idea for me. And in this case, it was, I was reading Hard, Hard-Boiled Wonderland and The End of the World. And, um, where it's like the character is living in two two different like a, two different realities, and one happens to be a city called uh, the end of the world, and um, which wasn't like um, you know the world wasn't coming to an end. It was just like if you want to imagine like some sort of fortress city out in the middle of nowhere, like where it's, it seems like it's, the world is that's where the world ends, you know. So it's like a physical space, and I was reading that while COVID started to hit. And, you know, March and April 2020, when it was very much like things are, things as we knew it came to a halt and, you know, kind of just, um, it, it, like the world seemed like it might come to an end. So it, it just kind of, there was a, a parallelism there with reality and the book that I, I, I kind of found interesting and, you know, figured this is like, oh, um, you know, this is a different point of view I can take with what the end of the world could be it doesn't have to be just you know um everything's gonna come to an end this can be a temporary space we're living in one of the the nice things about uh, performing mostly instrumental music and the titles associated with it is that uh, as a listener i can i can kind of attribute anything i want to them and i for me just the title alone of this album gave it a whole different spin as i listened to it because i definitely feel like we're living at the end of a world at least like it doesn't it doesn't feel like the way we are currently doing things in late stage capitalism is really sustainable for all that much longer for oh yeah one of a number of reasons either because of you know the climate disaster or because there'll be some sort of large scale uprising or for whatever reason it just seems like the way the way things have been throughout most of my life are not the way they will be toward the end of my life and probably not the way they'll be for my kids for example and so that that really just I was thinking about that a lot as I listened to this record. And then, you know, after the fact, I had the the benefit of uh, a piece of paper explaining to me what all the songs mean. But kind of during that time, being in that headspace, this album is not a dour album or anything like that. But I feel like um, it's an album that is good at extracting emotion. And uh, that's kind of the headspace I was in in my first pass through the album, which was a a melancholy but not unpleasant place to be, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. And I think um, melancholy but not unpleasant place to be. I think that's kind of where a lot of our a lot of 
people's headspace were in for much of 2020, right? Like we were stuck inside. At least I was stuck inside by myself. I live, I live by myself and like there was a lot of reflect, a lot of reflecting going on. And, uh, you know, what am I doing with my life? What do, what do things mean? And just thinking, you know, and like having that melancholy, melancholy for like what we used to have, what's going to happen next. So yeah, I think that's, uh, that's, that's, that's accurate. I think. To, uh, to shift gears a little, one of the people to whom you pay tribute on this record is the Italian trumpet player Enrico Rava, and uh, you play his piece, The Pilgrim, on here. And he's one of those people whose name I've heard for my entire life in this music, and I've heard him occasionally, but I just I just don't know a ton about him, and you know, you can't listen to everything, and so he is definitely one of those holes in my musical listening. Can you, can you tell me something about him? Tell me what about him appeals to you and and why you chose this piece yeah yeah well first of all, i i don't it's so the pilgrim is the tune i wrote um in honor of him it's not right it's, i'm it's, sorry uh, i misspoke yeah 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 no no all good all good but it's like so it's it's like in honor of him um and it's um i chose the pilgrim because he has a beautiful album called the pilgrim and the stars um so he, yeah his playing so i i feel like when i was doing like years ago when i first started like doing my musical like vision or whatever you want to call it, like what I thought I, I wanted to like uh, throw out into the world as far as music. I was doing something completely different, like very arranged, uh, large ensembles. And um, I, I, even though I, 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 you know, I first think of myself, or at least when I was younger, I, 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 I was very much a composer first, or I like writing more than playing. And then later I started, you know, taking my, my playing more seriously. Um, so I guess that's why I was focused on writing so much and arranging. And then um, this, um, my, my good friend uh, and record producer and, uh, you know, great engineer and mixing and mastering engineer, Luis Baquet, was like, you got to listen to, uh, like, he was like, you, you, you got to listen to Kenny Wheeler more and we got to do something in that vein for you, like on the flugelhorn. You know, so I started getting into this like more lyrical playing, um, or at least listening. You know, listening to more lyrical uh, trumpet players. You know, like Kenny Wheeler was one of them, Enrico Rava, and Thomas Stanko. And it really, who's like I knew everyone's names, but I had never really paid attention or spent time with them. So it was a, I really kind of I could identify my playing in 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 their music. Um, if I could say that in a very in the, in the humblest way as possible, <laughs> I could kind of hear hear 
to kind of like, because what I, what I was playing, I, I felt like never fit into what I was writing before. So I found this like newer option and it really like opened up what uh, a whole world of possibilities as far as like, you can still play melodies, you can stay, you can still play, you know, uh, uh, identifiable music and structures, but you can also have space for just, you know, free improvisation to play things that wouldn't make sense if, if, if the whole, you know, if the song is structured a certain way, but you want to play something else or play differently, then it's not going to sound quite, it's not going to fit quite as well. But if you, if you provide a very loose structure, like you can provide a melody and then the solo section can just be like, Hey, like just do what you want. And then we kind of work our way back to the melody. And then that, 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 that freedom that Enrico Rava and all, and all these other cats kind of, um, just made me aware that it, that is an option was was really a um, a game changer for me. So I kind of I didn't give you a specific answer on Enrico Rava, but but yeah, it's like that that was it essentially like the very lyrical sa- sound, very beautiful, warm, um, flugelhorn sound especially. But then just like you know, you can still write music and have melodies and still have freedom to to do what you want. That's so interesting because I. I... I think it's the case that many people compose based on how they play. They they compose the things that they themselves are going to play, and the compositions are an expression of the way in which they play their instrument. Whereas it sounds like you, from what you just described, you composed in a certain way, and then over time, you became the trumpet player who played who could play those pieces. Uh, if that's if that's accurate. Um. I don't know if that's that because so I think I don't think I ever felt comfortable. I, I'd accept that uh, the Chibonas, who I have like several albums that with, and I was always composing in a vein like, you know, I'm from Argentina, so I grew up listening to a lot of Guillermo Klein and people like that who have large ensembles, and it's very composition forward. And then you know, there's solo sections, of course, and and I, I've been lucky to have great musicians play and solo over my songs, but I was really focused on the composition, and I. I, I personally, I never felt that I fit in as a trumpet player in my music there. And then when my buddy Luis Paquet was like, you should try this other thing. And that, and so, yeah, the past few years, I've, nev- I've never felt as connected to the music that I make as I have in the past th- three or four years. Oh, that's really, that's really fascinating. It, I imagine that's a good feeling. Uh, I mean, at least re- the recent feeling of, of feeling very connected to your, to your music. It, it. I don't think. I don't think the imposter syndrome ever ever goes away, but it's definitely come down a few notches. <laughs> in the past few years, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I. I feel that, man. A quick break from the interview to remind you about the show's Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get early access to every episode, a thank you from me on an episode, and occasional behind-the-scenes info. Plus, you get the monthly bonus show, This I Dig of You, on which that month's guest from the main show talks about something non-musical that is bringing them joy. All that is yours for $5 a month at thejazzsession.com slash join. Thanks also to the folks who helped make this show possible, including the members who support it, the Respect Sextet at respectsextet.com for the theme music, and Sarah Walter for the logo. You can message me for more info about Sarah. Chuck Ingersoll is the voice of the intro. You can hire him at hearchucknow.com. Now, back to the interview. 
back in uh, in 2002, and I don't exactly remember how this happened. I think somebody gave it to me, but I listened to an album called Cookie, the Anthropological Mixtape by Michelle and Ocello, who of whom I had mm. never heard before. Um, the music on that record was not particularly like other music that I listened to, and I was like an instant fan. That's one of those times yeah. where like you press play and I just thought like, Oh, okay, well I'll be listening to this for the rest of my life. And yeah. uh, I know you had an experience um, with Michelle's music and that experience has manifested itself on this album. Can you tell that story? Yeah. So I, I don't know that I, I, I probably knew her name. Um, I knew some of her music, but it's one of those things like you said before, like there's so much music out there. Uh, there's just not enough time in one's lifetime to like get to really know everything, even if it's 100% worth knowing. And I played the brick with well with my septet. Uh, we played the the brick jazz fest here in Brooklyn in um, 2018. I think it's 2018. And uh, we played on the same night that Michelle and Diego Cello was was closing out. So when I you know when I didn't wait till that night, you know when the lineup came out and and I was like gearing up for the festival i was like you know let me check out everyone's uh, i want to you know know people's music before i you know see them live or potentially cross paths with them backstage you know i kind of want to know who's, who's going to be there and yeah michelle and Show, i was like blown away blown away and it's um there's so much you know because you said like you, you you didn't expect to listen to hear that to hear what you heard but like it's her her discography is like i won't say all over the place but there's so much out there and this, and she's been doing it for since the 90s. So it's like you can hear her, the evolution of, of what she's done to where she is now. So, yeah, anyway, that was a great experience seeing her live. And then I fell in love with um, her album Weather, which is super just very warm and, you know, very chill. And the one tune especially, Oysters, I, 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 I must have listened to that song like, hundreds of times in the past few years. And then I finally was like, you know what, I, I think I should just try and make an, a little arrangement of this and see if we can make it work. And it's, I think it does. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful song. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. It works perfectly. A any, is there, do you have a, any kind of link to Michelle to be able to get this recording to her? Um, not that I know of, I'm sure, I'm sure I can find one and, uh, and I probably will. Um, I know, like, I know people who, 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 who do have connections with her. And it's one of those, I don't, I don't feel like I'm not one to be cheeky and be like, listen to what I did to your song and like, you should. But I think, um, I think I, I, in this case, I might um, try and somehow reach out and, uh, and share it with her. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, t I totally get the, you know, the like, the desire not to be the person who goes up to every famous person in a restaurant and asks for a selfie or whatever. I understand that. But I mean, in this case, this is a very deeply felt kind of exchange of energy. I mean, you, you heard Michelle's music fell in love with it to the degree that when you put on an album of your own, you put one of her pieces on it. That feels to me like yeah. the kind of heartfelt expression of appreciation that, that any other human being would be overjoyed to know about yeah yeah i guess uh, you might be right and this uh, now that i think of it this is the first uh non-original this is the first um piece that's composed by someone other than me and or who is not dead for hundreds of years this is the first like living 
living composers a music I, I i put in one of my albums so maybe yeah you might be right might, might be worth reaching like just sharing with her yeah i i mean i think so but again i'm not the director of your musical career but if if i were a person and someone else had put one of my tunes on their record like this i would love to know so Another tune that's on here uh, called Cinta Marina features uh, Camila Meza, who's been on this show multiple times uh, and who I adore as a musician and as a human being. Uh, can you tell me about that that piece and about working with Camila on that track? Yeah, yeah. So, man, Camila was just incredible. Uh, I, I, I definitely definitely feel like this whole album, like that's, I, it's a, uh, I don't love listening to my music. I, I, I'll, I'll spend time with it, especially if there's like a, if I'm releasing it, I want to make sure it sounds good, you know, and make sure if I, if I can bear it, then someone else might actually enjoy it. Um, but this tune, I, I, I listened back, back to it so much, mainly because I, I, I play very little on it and it's basically Camila Mesa is taking over. But um, yeah, so my, this, this, um, Belen Pasqualini, she's an Argentine actress, writer, singer, musician. Belen approached me in 2020. You know, I think a lot of us were, you know, reaching out to people we, we knew, we connected with, and we're like, hey, let's kind of collaborate on something uh, from home, you know. And she sent me this, this text and said, if you, if you want to write music to this, it would be great. I would love it. And, and you know, work something out. So she sent me Cinta Marina, um, this text, and I... I kind of took it as a challenge to see what I could do with it, uh, melodically and not melodically. I thought it was interesting to have some spoken word on top of music. Um, I've been listening to William Parker at the time, and he do he does some of that, and I I thought that was fascinating. So I kind of worked out the melody uh, for the melody section, then had the you know try to give make it so that the rhythm section was playing something structured that then like. But simple enough and open enough that the vocalist uh, could interpret the lyrics and just you know in a spoken word manner, it kind of give it give it his or own his or her own feel and and cadence to it. So that was like the tune, you know, like it came together. Um, I was I was singing and 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 reciting the text over on in rehearsals, and I'm appreciated. I'm very appreciated to uh, Santiago, Marty, and Nathan. For putting up with me uh doing that but then yeah i was trying to figure out who i could reach out to as far as a vocalist and uh have have them uh record this and i spoke with luis baquet as well he tried to get his input and yeah i reached out to camila i i had spoken to her before about how i wanted to back in the day i wanted to have a put together a, a big band album which just did not you know for various logistical issues did not come come to be but I, I spoken with her about being on a, on, on a tune so we had already been talking about that and this one just became more of a it made more sense to have her on this so she yeah she i sent her the track i sent her the music she was into it she recorded it and uh and it, yeah it was i think i think it's she she's incredible her, her playing and her her singing and her reciting yeah i think it works perfectly with the song Ella contempla el mar Atlántico, tornasol al vino blanco. Lo mira hipnotizada, por los bordes se le escapan mil retazos y más. Pedazos de vida, de lana, allá mide un metro diez, 
y el mar despeinó su malla a rayas y desató feroz una ola. Su castillo imperfecto, frágil. You just mentioned all of their first names, but I want to make sure that we don't neglect to mention their to their full names. So will you talk about the band that's on this album with you? Yeah, of course. So Santiago Leipzon is a pianist who, um, who is just an incredible, incredible musician. Um, I think Marty, Marty Kenny, the bassist, he put it best when once in passing, he kind of said, sounds he's a kind of pianist that you can put like a rock in front of him on the music stand and he'll just make beautiful music. Like it's, he makes anything sound incredible. And I first, so somebody's from Argentina as well, but I actually didn't meet him until we were both in New York. Uh, and I've been, you know, when I, when I put together this quartet, he was my first call. Um, and then Nathan Alvin Mel, uh, a great drummer. Uh, he was, he started playing with us two years ago, year and a half ago. Uh, because our original drummer, Diane Sugg, uh, who was on the first uh, record, she moved back to, to Korea. So we had to find someone else. And Marty the Kenny, my bass player, who I love, who is an incredible musician and just brings incredible energy to everything. He, he plays with Nathan a lot, a lot. And I know Nathan, obviously. And he was like, first call, Nathan, you know, makes more sense. Have the drummer and the bass player who really play together a lot, just have them keep that energy and that that connection going so i wanted to ask you now about my favorite tune on this record which is max and i know it has a, a difficult origin story but if you're willing to talk about it i'd appreciate hearing about it yeah of course wow i'm, I'm surprised that's your favorite tune um yeah so um yeah my um I, my, one of my best friends, Max, yeah, he, we were we met in college. He, he was uh, my college roommate. Uh, we were close. We, we spoke almost every day, especially during the pandemic and in recent years. Um, in 2020, he passed away very, very surprisingly and out of nowhere. He had been, um, um, it just a very, it was, it was a surprise, um, uh, thing that very surprising thing that happened. And, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't know, you know, we need to put that energy, that those feelings somewhere and as people, as humans. And uh, I guess what well, we, we put, we put what we feel, what we, what we're experiencing, we put into our music. And so I, I've been wanting to, I've been thinking about, you know, I need to, I want to kind of pay homage to him, pay my respects to him and to his family, have him remembered um, with a tune. And I've, yeah, I, I forget which which song it was. Um, um, it was, um, I think it was a. There's, there's this Argentine band called Cerujidan, and it, from the '80s, and it's a very like prog band. And I heard this. Um, so the the pickup melody, bo bo dum bam. I heard that that was like part of a melody, in one of the tunes, and I I heard that and I was like, wait, that that could that could sound. 
like something completely different if, if I applied it over here. So that, yeah, that became this very like mellow, like kind of Americana go slow gospel um, tune. And it just felt per perfectly with, with how I was feeling about Max and his passing and what I wanted to convey. So, so yeah, that kind of just came together uh, came together at that point. And knowing that story, it's my favorite tune on the record. The, the I really enjoyed the whole record, but this for me was the standout. And I, you know, like anything, listening to an album is an incredibly subjective experience and you bring your own emotions to it and the place you are at in your own life. And this tune was just incredibly uplifting for me. And um, yeah, just really, I don't know, just really kind of, uh, made contact with my heart in a in a way that I found oh. very moving. So, thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. That that means a lot. And and yeah, like the other thing is, I didn't want it to be just a a sad song, you know, because Max wasn't a sad guy. He was like very. He was always like very, you know, up, like you said, uplifting, very positive, and very like encouraging to to all of his friends. So I kind of wanted to like it wasn't it, when I said like I had to like put down my feelings somewhere. It, it was like, that's very true, but also it's like, I need to pay homage to Max and I, I want to make a song that I feel like connects to what, to what, what he, what he represents, you know? So I felt like that, that, that was also an important factor I had to like uh, pay attention to. spent the majority of this time talking about Living at the End of the World, the the new record, but in our last few minutes, I'm just curious uh, what else is on your agenda these days? What other what other projects? What uh, what performances? Traveling? What else is going on? 
Man, it's been a busy summer. Uh, I'm very thankful. I'll tell you that. It's been a busy summer. Um, um, I've been getting to play my music with the quartet. Um, been able to play that all over North America and South America, actually, this year. Um, it's one of the other goals of why I wanted to put, uh, kind of set the septet aside and play the play with the quartet and this kind of music was, you know, touring with the septet was very frustrating. Um, not just logistically, but musically, because it was very ranged and I had to rehearse and all this. So the quartet was like, oh, I can just hire a local, you know, if I can't take my guys with me, I can hire a local rhythm section, have a quick rehearsal and then make it happen. So uh, that's, that's been true. And, Canada, um, Argentina, you know, Western Canada, Eastern Canada. I'm, I'm actually going to Nashville um, as well, uh, playing with some cats down there. Um, so that's been very exciting to be able to like hear different people make my uh, play my music and how they interpret it. So that's been fun. I, I also play a lot with uh, Betty Smith, who is this incredible force of nature, uh, a great singer, which like more of a soul and Southern rock vibe. So I get to like, like some different muscles over there and we've been playing all over as well um a lot of festivals across north america um which has been fun because we used to do a lot of europe and because of the pandemic in the past few years we were kind of chose to stay on this side of the water and we've been really getting getting to connect with a lot of audiences over here um so that's that's been happening i play with the, the new york chill harmonic as well a lot it's um so like 18 piece prog rock jazz orchestra. It's like a big band plus um, string quartet, but then it's like prog rock music. So it's very fun. And uh, yeah, I'm going on tour. With, so the album is coming out October 21st and going on tour with the quartet in November. <clears throat> We're heading up to Philadelphia, Phoenixville, PA, Hartford, Connecticut. Um, well, Nashville is in, was in September, but and um we're doing rochester new york buffalo new york um we're doing toronto on toronto up in canada and i'm not sure if i'm missing anything but you can check to check michaelsarin.com for all those things <laughs> well that is that's fabulous uh i'm happy to hear that that you're going to get so many opportunities to play this music live and that people will get to uh to see and hear it my guest is michael sarian his new album is called living at the end of the world and uh, i highly recommend it michael it's been such a joy to talk to you thanks so much for being on the show thanks for having me jason thank you so much Thanks to my guest this month, Michael Sarian. Follow the Jazz Session on Twitter at Jazz Sesh, J-A-Z-Z-S-E-S-H, and on Instagram at The Jazz Session. It's also on TikTok now at The Jazz Session. Take a second, if you would, to rate and review The Jazz Session on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It really improves my ability to reach new folks. If you'd like to keep up to date on my podcast, The Jazz Session and a Brief Chat, my poetry, my van travels, and more, you can subscribe to my newsletter. Just go to thejazzsession.com and click on the newsletter link. If you dig what you just heard, become a member for 5 bucks a month at thejazzsession.com slash join, and then come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening everybody. everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.